In the movie Groundhog's Day, <laughs> Bill Murray's character goes through the same day over and over again. February 2nd, he keeps really living it until he sees the good he's supposed to do in this world. In the same way, I think we as people, as disciples, we can keep going through the motions, keep going through things over and over again, but, but we can miss out on the, the good we're supposed to be doing in this world. And I thought Ted, uh, Todd, Ted, messed up his name, Todd, we were talking about messing up his name earlier today, uh, but Todd, I thought Todd did a great job doing the lesson uh, last week. And he talked about what we're supposed to do as disciples. And uh, we saw that in Matthew uh, chapter 4, verse 23. And he talked about teaching, proclaiming, and serving. And he talked about serving instead of the word healing up there because Jesus was called to serve. And then also serving is, is a way to help people be healed. And I thought this was just fantastic what Todd talked about last week. So I wanted to reuse that this week so that we don't just move on to something else and lose focus of, of what we're supposed to do as disciples. As people who have committed to making Jesus Lord of our lives, we're supposed to be following Christ's example in these three areas. Now, on the other hand, we have been reading uh, the 40 Days of Community book, talking about better together and, and in our relationships. And we've been learning how we need each other. And I've been learning more and more, gosh, I, I need people in my life. I need people to to help me out, to walk with me, to watch out for me. And so I, I thought that was important to talk about too. So, so we kind of have these two ideas that, that needed to be combined into what we need to focus on today. So the question is then, well, where can we find this? Where can we find Jesus' principles of teaching, proclaiming, and serving, but also see people working together? Well, the great thing is we can see it. In the Bible. Isn't that cool? And we can see it in the lives of the disciples. But before we look at that, I want to kick it off with a quote from Coach Lombardi. He said, people who work together will win. Whether it be against complex football defenses or the problems of modern society. Lombardi, as some of you know, his trophy is given to the winner of the Super Bowl. But point number one, let's look at teaching, but not just teaching by ourselves, but teaching together. See how that works last week's combined with this word? I know, really smart. So last week we looked at Jesus' example of teaching. But what happened after Jesus? So let's look at a few days after Jesus left the scene, rose up to heaven. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So here they are, Jesus left, and, and they're continuing to do what he wanted them to do, devoted to learning, and, and there's some teaching going on. Well, that's good. But you're saying, you know, that's only a couple of days. Adam, surely they stopped after a couple of days. Well, don't call me surely. But actually, the Bible says after 10 years, they were still continuing to, to teach and preach. Let's look at Acts chapter 11. So about 10 years later, there's a couple of guys, Barnabas and Saul, who pop up. And these are guys that were converted after Acts chapter 2. But they rose up and they were teaching great numbers of people. 
And in verse 26 it says, So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Almost fumbled that verse. Little little football. Just trying to work and work with me. All right, all right, come on. Wake up, wake up. We're not waiting for the show later on. But you know, a lot of times we look at this scripture and we can see, you know, we focus in on, oh, okay, well, well, first they were called Christians here, and before this time they were disciples, learning and growing. But a lot of times we can forget personally the application of the continual process of discipleship. That it's not just a, a one-time thing that, that we need to learn and, and pass something on, but it's a continual process of us learning, growing, teaching other people. And for some of you, maybe it is a, a class on Galatians, or a spiritual workshop, or, or maybe it's a Sunday sermon. Maybe it's preparing hearts for communion, or for tithing. Maybe it's in your Bible talk, leading a Bible talk discussion. And you know, the interesting thing about a Bible talk is that it's not just the person leading the talk who is actually doing the teaching. I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but it's, it's everyone in the group teaching, how they respond, how we interact, how we love one another, how we respect one another, that teaches volumes to other people. It's the same way as, as we're sitting here this morning. Somebody's watching you. So what are you teaching? What are you teaching as you sit there? What are you teaching as you sing songs? I know for me, I, I learned how to uh, engage in songs, to sing, to, to clap my hands. You know, when it first came out, I was like, eh, I don't really want to do any of that. But I was inspired by the, the manly men who would go after it and sing, and I was just like, yeah, I want to be like those guys. Man, they're, they're singing their hearts out, and they're into it, and they're not wimpy, they're studs. I want to be like that. I don't want to be a bump on the log. I want to be a stud engaging in my relationship with God. But our example teaches other people. And we're better together at doing that. But let's turn to Acts chapter 16. And here's an example that all of us can participate in teaching others. An example of Paul and Timothy. In Acts 16.1 it says, Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. So here's Paul going along his missionary journey, and he picks up Timothy, and he teaches him how to be a man of God. And in his letters to Timothy later on, we see a, a friendship that, that spanned decades of years, not just a one-time thing. And we see how he taught him in, in health with his stomach issues, to finances, to character issues, to teaching how to train other men and how to proclaim 
the gospel to other people. It was a great mentoring relationship. And you know, we, we won't do everything exactly like Paul did here in these verses, not with someone else. But you can participate in taking someone under your wing, helping them out, believing in them. You can take someone along the spiritual journey with you. You can invest in someone or a few people on various levels for not just days, but decades. And see the fruit of that relationship. And it will make the other person better because you're believing in them, you're, you're mentoring them, you're helping them out. But it's also going to help you be better because you're rethinking through some of those scriptures. You're rethinking through some of those convictions. You're getting excited about what God is doing and it definitely makes us better together. You know, after I was baptized, one of the brothers named Rodney out in L.A., he would get with me every week. He'd buy me a muffin, which is good, fed me. But then he would also feed me spiritually. We'd go through a chapter of Proverbs each week. And we'd talk about wisdom, and he'd teach me about wisdom. And I, I would learn, and, and it helped me out a lot. And I know it encouraged him because he, he said it encouraged him just to go through it again. But, but I really appreciated him doing that, just initiating on his own, taking time to help me out. And many of you in here have been taught a lot. Maybe the easy way, you've been taught that way. Or maybe you've learned the hard way. But one, one way or the other, you know a lot. But, but what are you doing with it? How are you sharing it with other people? Do you have professional advice you could give to someone? Maybe health advice? Music, teaching someone how to sing or, or how to play an instrument? Decorating? Helping out a brother household? You know, how to look nice? I, you know, there's all sorts of things. Character talks. And you know, you don't have to wait for a class setting to help somebody out, to teach. It could just be a conversation. It could be a conversation today marriage advice you know i appreciate kenny and patty schuster leading our marriage group we have a fun we have a fun little group that was kind of weak we have a fun little group that meets on thursdays and uh i appreciate it i appreciate their their cooking uh this last uh thursday we had what was it grilled cheese and jelly sandwiches that was really good that was tasty it really was uh, but then also, I appreciate their, their advice, their experience, their wisdom, what they can help us out with. And then also just appreciate that Bible talk, just the different ideas, the different ways we can help each other out. And we look forward to the, the marriage retreat with Tom and Kelly Brown coming over from Atlanta. Yes, that was a shameless plug. You should go to it. You know, what? I know some of you are thinking, well, I've... I've helped train people before, or I've helped taught someone before. And I get that training can be hard. And, and I get that it can be tiring. And not everyone out there is as completely humble and teachable as you are. I get that. But yet Jesus calls us to teach, to keep the saved saved, and to have relationships with one another. And certainly we can teach people a lot better as a spiritual community than just us as individuals.
Jimmy Johnson said, football is such a team sport. So no one individual does it. No one coach or no one assistant coach or no one player. It's a great team sport. So I don't get carried away with a bunch of accolades. As a coach who won back-to-back Super Bowls with the Cowboys. Christianity is such a team sport. Point number two, proclaiming together. Now, I I know we can talk about Jesus by ourselves, and and certainly Acts chapter 8 shows Philip reaching out to the Ethiopian eunuch. But it's a lot better with doing it with other people. I know I enjoy reaching out with other people, uh, because my personality is only so good. And I have only so many things to talk about. And so it's nice having someone else there who I can connect people to or introduce people to. I'm naturally very introverted, so it's, it's great having someone else there who can talk. And it's impacting. Also, it's a little creepy going up to someone's door and knocking on it by yourself. If I got somebody there, it's a little bit more comforting. Although if I have like three or four brothers there, then it's a little creepy to the person inside the place. But you know, sometimes it's a way to impact people. In Luke chapter 9, it says, When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, Take nothing for the journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. I wanted to show you a pic of Galilee. Here it is, in case you've never seen it before. But it's an area about 40 miles long. It takes about 14 hours to walk across the, the longest path. But it's a territory, it's an area uh, very similar to a metroplex that you guys know a lot about. The metroplex's initials are DFW. You know it quite well. It has a lot of little towns in it that you can wander around to. In Luke chapter 10, verse 1, it says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Here's a description of how they worked better together. They were focused and dependent on God. They went to where the people were at. At their homes, park, a first century apartment complex. They talked to people. They prayed together for the lost. This last Friday, our our singles Irving group, we got together and and one of the things we prayed about was for the, the singles in Irving. Praying for them. There's some... There's some great prayer warriors in our group. It was fun. But this is how Jesus instructed them. And we can walk around our Metroplex territory in the same exact way. Influencing the homes around us. Talking to people. 
reaching out the same way they did. And there's lots of examples of proclaiming God's word in the book of Acts and how the disciples did it. But let's look at Acts chapter 18. In Acts chapter 18 verse 4 it says, Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. How many of you live in a home? Wow, there's some hands not being raised. I guess you don't live in a home. Really, how many of you live in a home? Yay, good participation. Awesome. But all of us live in a home. That's good. That means that all of you can practice what Priscilla and Aquila did. You can invite someone into your home. You can explain to them about God. In 1 Corinthians 16, 19, it says that this couple actually began a church that met at their house, which means they they did it more than once. It wasn't just a one-and-done thing. We can invite people in our homes over and over again, and it's better to invite people in with others because other people can bring something. They can bring some grilled cheese and jelly sandwiches. More friendships can happen, and you're not feeling awkward or alone by yourself. But find people to have in your homes. There's a Super Bowl tonight. Great opportunity. They're saying that one out of three people are going to watch it tonight. Let's have them watch it with us. You can have people over. Shoot for a goal of trying to have someone over in your home once a week. Maybe it's a, a meal. Maybe it's dessert. Maybe it's coffee. But having people over in your home. And there, there's plenty of things you can do. You can do a game night. There's, there's all sorts of ideas. And you can ask other people in here who probably have really brilliant ideas to help you out. Troy Aikman said, I do think you have to have a great receiver and a great running back. But really, every position is critical. Winner of three Super Bowls. I actually met Troy Aikman one time. Gave him a hug. He was wearing a suit, signing autographs. I was wearing a giant M&M costume. It had a fan on the inside. It blew up the fabric. Um, I was a giant blue M&M walking around this convention. And, <laughs> and, there, and there he was, signing autographs. And, so, and there was this huge line, and I'm like, man, by myself, I would never be able to get up there. But as a blue M&M... Nobody's going to stop a blue Eminem. And so I walk past this huge line, and he's sitting there signing autographs, and I just start, you know, patting on the back, giving him a hug. You know, he has to give me an autograph. He has to be nice to the blue Eminem. Eventually, security came over. But just like uh, Eminems are better together, you don't just want to have one. Disciples are better together. And every position is critical. Point number three, serving together. 
<laughs> still playing on <laughs> Serving to help meet the needs. Serving to help meet the needs. To heal people, to help them out. In Acts chapter 2, verse 44, it says, And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. Here we see random needs served and being taken care of. I mean, this was beyond the, the tithe. This was, this was financially helping out. This was giving of lives to one another, taking care of each other. It's, these random needs occurred. But then we can also look at some, some ministry needs. Let's look at Acts chapter 6, verse 1. And it says in Acts chapter 6, verse 1, In those days... When the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, Choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them. And we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. You know, I thought about going deep here, maybe looking at some Greek words and throwing that out. But, but the reality is, I don't think the concept of serving others... Is that complicated for us? I don't think it's confusing theology or even confusing Christology. I'm thinking, okay, Jesus served. We're imitating Jesus, so we should serve. I don't think it's that confusing. We're saved to serve other people. And then on the other hand, I I don't think uh, serving with others is that confusing. I think we can see the benefits of it. Okay, You have a whole bunch of furniture here, and you want me to carry it up three flights of stairs by myself? You know, I think it might be better if I had some other people helping me out. You know, I don't think that's confusing either. And and for us, I don't think the idea of there being needs out there is confusing, because a lot of us stepped up and helped out with, with fire prevention earlier this year, the day of service, with hope. Some of us help out with Friday Academy. Some of us see the needs of the church, and we mention those, and we talk about uh, the sound and, and kids' kingdom and, and ushering and all these things. But I think for a lot of us, it's not the, the needs or the, the theology that's really confusing. But I think we need to spend some time asking, if we're not serving, now, now if you're serving, don't take on an accused personality here. But if you're not serving, I think you need to spend some time asking, why? Why am I not serving? I mean, there's scriptures on it. You know, why why am I not doing this? And And I think you need to spend some time with the scriptures and in prayer with God, connecting 
seeing what the Holy Spirit is trying to help you out with. And I don't know why it could be. It could be maybe there's ingratitude. There's a lack of appreciation for what Christ has done for you. Maybe it's just selfishness or laziness. Maybe it's pride where you feel like you're too good to serve in some area. Could be entitlement. Well, I've served before, so maybe, you know, I deserve a break. I think it's time for someone else to serve. Or I threw money in the plate, so, gosh, I think someone else should do something around here. An attitude of entitlement. And maybe you don't even know. Maybe you don't know what it is, but you just need to spend some time in prayer and with the scriptures. Because this is important for us who who claim to be disciples. If we're saying Jesus is Lord, then Jesus needs to be Lord of, of all the areas of our life. And serving is one of the key areas of our lives. So we need to think about, why am I not doing this? And actually, I'd like for you to, to take it a, a step even further. I'd like you to write down on, on paper or maybe in your phone schedule, you know, someone to talk to about serving together. Not who's going to keep you accountable, but, but who in here do you see that you can talk to about serving with? Maybe it's Bruce back there. You're like, man, you know what? I like what Bruce does with the AVT. I, Gosh, I want to I wanna learn from him. I, I want to I serve with those guys. We've got some awesome guys back there. Maybe it's with Alan, with the music. Maybe it's with Robert and the ushers and the greeters. Maybe you don't really know what you can do. And so talk to George or talk to Todd when he gets back from Houston. But who can you talk to this week about serving and helping out? Because God designed it for us to, to do it together. Not as individuals, but in relationships, helping out. This was an anonymous quote. I do like teamwork. I think it is a beautiful thing, especially in the great game of American football. I especially love teamwork when it involves my team, America's team, the Dallas Cowboys. You know, and maybe the Cowboys are your favorite team. It's the home team. And maybe they aren't. But the great thing is, we all get to be part of God's team. He allows us to join together. To teach together. To proclaim together. To serve together. It's because of His blood on the cross that we get to be part of this great spiritual community and so at this time we we had the honor and and privilege of of participating in communion a time where we we think of Christ's example on the cross in which he was teaching proclaiming and serving us so that we can no longer live like ourselves, but we would live for him. Let's go ahead and pray as we prepare our hearts for communion. Father, thank you for your love. 
Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your example of, of Jesus dying for us on the cross. Thank you for your example of Jesus, of, of what he did in the scriptures and how we know, you know we don't have to be insecure about what should we be doing in this life. But we have some clear direction that we need to be teaching, keeping the saved saved. We need to be proclaiming, and we need to be serving. And Father, thank you that we have relationships to do this with. That we aren't in this battle by ourselves, Father. That you have allowed us to have brothers and sisters. As we take this communion, help us to to think about everything that you're giving to us by, by sacrificing your son on the cross. Christ's name, amen.